Good morning once again, Bell Shoals family. My name is Corey Abney and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if I could just go back to my childhood, I have to tell you, we are having church today. <laughs> we are having church today. That's the way we used to say it back in the day. And uh, we are incredibly excited about all that God is doing here at Bell Shoals. And this is a very special week in the life of our faith family. And we're thrilled to have you connecting with us today. Those of you in the room here at the Brandon campus and those of you joining us online. And I wanna invite all of you to be back with us next weekend as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. And um, it's gonna be a special weekend. We've got three opportunities for you to celebrate Easter with us here at the Brandon campus. Saturday night at five o'clock is our first service option. And uh, we have a special family night that evening. And so we will gather in this room at five o'clock. We'll have our Easter celebration and then we'll leave this room. We'll go outside. We'll have food trucks and activities and games and giveaways and like good giveaways. And there's like Bush Gardens and Zoo Tampa and then Top Golf, which, um, I've entered my name like 1400 times for that one. Uh, and so it's gonna be amazing. We've got an egg hunt for uh, all the kids. We've got like, I think, 14 million eggs, something like that. Don't quote me on that, but uh, we've got a lot of eggs. It's just gonna be a great family time as we gather Saturday night. And then we've got two Sunday morning, Easter Sunday worship options here for you as well. And then don't forget Friday, we have a special Good Friday uh, online feature that will have some incredible teaching that, that really focuses on the perspective of Jesus's followers, the week leading up to in the days and the hours even leading up to his crucifixion and then some uh, incredible music by the Bell Shoals worship team, some original arrangements. And it's just gonna be really powerful. So that'll be available to you on Friday on demand through our Facebook and our YouTube channels. And then again, Saturday night, we're off and running at five o'clock and then Sunday morning, two services here. It's just gonna be a special week. And you know, uh, today's a special day, as we've already heard many times, several times now. I mean, listen, we've got probably, I think we're somewhere around 25, 26 people baptized across all of our campuses, just 20 here at Brandon. And, and uh, God is on the move. But you know what? It, it, it's strange to think back a little bit because this time last year, believe it or not, we weren't able to meet in person for Easter. And, and that's like an amazing thought. It's almost as I think about it, like it didn't happen. You know, it's like, I think back on last year at this time, we were trying to put some plans together for having an, a drive-in kind of service. So at least we could gather on Easter and, and, and we had some people tell us no on that. And I remember we, we were working hard on that. We decided, you know, we wanted to be good neighbors in our community. And so we, we just had some online stuff. And had, had you told me like, a year and a half ago that the church would not gather in person for Easter last year, I would have thought you were crazy. I mean, had any of us been asked a year and a half ago, why will the church not meet in person for Easter of, of 2020? I mean, what would it have taken for us to have said, like that wouldn't happen. I can tell you one thing I would not have said, some kind of global pandemic, like with all of our technology, our incredible doctors and medical professionals, like that would have been the last thing probably that I would have ever said. And, um, and yet it happened. And I know there's a lot more tied to that politically and then all the unrest culturally. I mean, it's just been a crazy year. And um, it's just hard to believe that next week we'll have the opportunity to gather in person 
to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus for the first time in two years. Like, I mean, we're excited about that. We're excited about that. But it's, it's, it's definitely been a, a wild and a, and a crazy year. It's been a, it's been a discouraging and devastating year for some. I mean, you know, it's, um, it's hard to go through a season like what we've been through. Some of you experienced job change or job loss. Some of you experienced unique health issues. Some of you have struggled with COVID. You've had family members who have. Some of you maybe even have lost some loved ones. You know, maybe, maybe it's not even this past year. Maybe, maybe it's like looking back over five years, 10 years, you know, like maybe you're looking at how your businesses are different and gonna have to operate differently or have already made adjustments. Maybe you look at your life beyond just COVID. Maybe you look at, again, last five, 10 years. Maybe you've been through a divorce. Maybe you've been through the loss of a close family member, maybe a child. Maybe you've, you, you've been through some type of unique hardship with your health, with, with um, some family dynamics. Maybe you've been through some unique challenges yourself that's not even related to this past year. Maybe this, this past year, strangely enough, was just icing on the cake. But as you look across the landscape of what's happening in our country, what you find is that there are much higher rates of anxiety and depression. There are still significant seasons of transition and adjustment in our workplaces, in our society. Who knows what the future holds? We're, we're, not, we're not fully through whatever this thing is that we're in. <laughs> and, and it's just a reminder to me that sometimes in life, like we go through unexpected things. We face hardships and difficulties that we, we didn't see coming on the horizon. And, and we have to navigate at times some things that we're not really prepared for. I don't know about any of you. I didn't have any class in college on navigating a global pandemic. Did anybody have that class? Listen, I don't know about you. I know many of you are leaders in your professions. I have received more criticism and been accused this past year of being a person that operates in fear more than any other time in my life. I, I, this is a true story. I, I came in one Monday morning and, and my goal every Monday morning is to not re retire, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Especially this past year. Everybody with me on that? You go to work, you're like, oh man, it's Monday again. <laughs> and and uh, we're all in the same boat, right? It's been crazy. We're all in the same boat. And I remember one Monday morning, I started cycling through emails that came in. And I just go one at a time through my inbox, like many of you, right? And I got one email and I got an encouraging email. And I actually looked back last night through some of these emails because I, I keep an encouragement file in my emails. Amen. I do. I also keep an, a discouragement file. It's labeled trash. Does anybody else have that? Does anybody else have that? They just whoop, slide that in. <laughs> all right. So... I was going through, and this is, I'll never forget this. This is, again, going back to this crazy year. And, and I got one email, it was like an encouragement. I was like, oh, that's so cool. I opened up the very next email. The, 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 the thing for which one person had encouraged me, the other person, the next person was attacking me. <laughs> and that's called COVID. <laughs> that's a crazy year. I'm not complaining. I'm saying we've been through this together. I've never been accused of being a fearful person ever. If you know me, you know I'm not afraid of much. You wouldn't tell that by looking at me. I'm just stupid. But I mean, 
I, you know, I'm, this, I'm just not afraid of my, and, and uh, you know, people, oh, you're afraid of this and this and this. And, and it's just, listen, we've all been through it. Those of you leading businesses, those of you in the medical field, listen, we're all hearing it, right? And, and it's just like a weird time. It's just a crazy time and we're coming through it. It's better, but it's, it's a crazy time. And, and here's what I want to communicate to you today very, very clearly. We're not going back to the way it was a year and a half ago. As much as some of us might like to, we're not, we're not going back. Now, some things will resume as normal and we'll get back to some sense of some level of normalcy. But listen, if you're, if you're connecting with us today in the room or online and you're waiting later in the summer or the fall for there to be a day when we go back to February of 2019, that day's not coming. We're in a different world. We're in a different time. We're in a different season. I have felt it this past year. You have too. What would it take for the church of the Lord Jesus to not meet in person on Resurrection Sunday? We've been through it. And some things you're gonna get back to some sense of normalcy, but a lot's not. We're not going back. And here's the good news in that, all right? Here's the good news in that. Different is not devastating as long as God is pleased with our efforts. I want you to have this hope today. In your personal life, in your business, in your career, in your family, listen to me. Different is here. Different is coming. We're not going back. But different is not devastating if God is pleased with us. You know what this season reminds me of? It reminds me of actually of a season in Israel's history related to the temple. It's actually a season described for us in a couple of different places in the Old Testament, but it's, it's, it's a season where, where, where the Israelite people were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. I mean, you talk about a period of unrest, a period of suffering and struggle. You talk about a period where like, hey, I didn't see that coming. Let me say it to you this way. There were no in-person worship gatherings in Israel for a long time. Because this nation called the Babylonians, the most powerful nation on planet earth at the time, came through and they, they conquered Israel. They took Israel's best leaders out of Israel. They took them into their, their key cities. Guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar was king. Nebuchadnezzar was brilliant. He had a strategy whenever he took over different people groups to do two things. Are you ready for this? One, he would take the best leaders out of the communities that he conquered so those communities could not rebuild. It kept these people under the oppression of the Babylonians. The second thing he did was he annihilated their houses of worship and he took all of their valued worship artifacts out of their homeland into Babylon so as to suggest your gods are not greater than the Babylonian gods. So he robbed the people of any hope in their gods and he took the best leaders away. Now, when it comes to Israel, when it comes to the one true and living God, Nebuchadnezzar did the same thing. He annihilated Solomon's temple. The glorious, magnificent temple that Solomon built decimated all of the artifacts taken out, the ark included, and the best leaders, men like Daniel, taken away. 
And Israel went through a time of tremendous captivity, a time of exile. And then the Babylonians were conquered by the Persians. The Persian king at the time was a guy named Cyrus. And Cyrus, when he took over the Babylonian empire, realized that they had all these provinces throughout their kingdom with guess what? No stable leadership. (laughs) And so Cyrus said, we've got to release some of these key leaders back to their homeland so that they can help us establish some type of normalcy and legitimacy. And so Cyrus issued a decree that the best of the captives could go back to their homes. And he even allowed by God's providence for these people to begin to rebuild their houses of worship. And we have an account of this in a couple different places. Let me start in Ezra one. All right, check this out. I'll have these on the screens. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. And he stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and send it out through his entire kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. And he has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem and Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem and may your God be with you. And wherever this Jewish remnant is found, let their neighbors contribute toward their expenses by giving them silver and gold and supplies for the journey and livestock, as well as a voluntary offering for the temple of God in Jerusalem. And so this is an amazing thing, clearly by the providence of God, that the captives that were taken out of Israel are allowed to go back, many of them, and even to rebuild the temple. And Cyrus even decreed that their artifacts could go back with them. And he says, let the Israelites who are already there take up some money and help rebuild this temple. They'll go, and with my blessing, they'll rebuild it. And so here's what happened. The Israelites went back into their homelands. They, they go back into Jerusalem, but the people don't get to work on the temple right away. Now, we don't know the exact reason for this. I, I think to some extent it was probably because, first of all, just the overwhelming nature of getting back home and, and just getting reestablished and building their own homes and, and, and getting settled back in. But the other reason perhaps is that they, they were trying to get to a point where they could rebuild the temple as they knew it before. And, and so they, they wait and the Lord shows up and he says, this is gonna be a loose paraphrase of what I'm about to show you. Hey, everybody, remember me? Remember how I worked through this guy named Cyrus providentially to get you back into your homes? Hey, remember me? Remember that temple thing? Remember, look at what the Lord says here, check this out. We see this in Haggai. I'm sure many of you in your devotional days were scrolling through Haggai. Here we go, Haggai 1. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The people are saying, well, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. You see, they're delaying. Then the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you are putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look what's happening to you. 
You're spinning your wheels. What did I tell you to do? Well, I told you to rebuild the temple. So here's what he says. Go up into the hills, bring down timber and rebuild my house. Now this is key. Do not miss this. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Don't forget that. The Lord says, get into the hills, start cutting down trees and start rebuilding my house. And I'll take pleasure in it and I will be honored with it. And so check this out. So the Lord lit a fire underneath them, okay? But this is profound. This is profound what happens next. The Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. And they began to work on the house of their guard, the Lord of heaven's army. So they finally get to work on September 21st of the second year of King Darius's reign. And the construction of the temple of God began in mid-spring during the second year that they arrived there in Jerusalem. They waited that first year, the Lord got on them, lit a fire underneath them, they went to work. And the construction began after they arrived there in Jerusalem in the second year. And the workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from exile, including Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, and his fellow priests, and all of the Levites. I gotta take a breath there after pronouncing all those names. Whew. Any of you having kids? I'll say this. Listen, there's some great names if you're having sons. I'm just saying, I'll throw it out there. All right. So they get to work. This is known, this second temple as Zerubbabel's temple. Okay, if you ever look it up. Okay, here we go. Check this out. The Levites who were 20 years old or older were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple. And the workers at the temple of God were supervised by Jeshua with his sons and relatives and Cadmiel and his sons and all the descendants of Hodaviah. And they were helped in this task by the Levites of the family of Hanadad. Just notice the specificity here. And then the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple. So they don't have the whole thing up, but now they got the foundation laid and people can see what it's gonna be, all right? And notice there's a whole generation who's come back out of exile. There's a whole generation who, who never worshiped at a temple, the, the, the temple, they never had that privilege. And so check this out. And so the priests put on their robes and they took place to blow their trumpets and the Levites and the descendants of Asaph and they clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord just as King David had prescribed. And, and with praise and thanks, they gave a great shout. And they sang this song to the Lord. They said, he is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because the foundation, the Lord's temple had been laid. Oh man, they're excited. But not everyone's excited. Because many of the older priests and the Levites and the other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. And as they are literally weeping out loud, the others were shouting for joy. And Ezra says this, the joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise 
that could be heard far away in the distance. And if there is a symbol for what we are navigating right now in our society, is it not this mingling of mourning and joyful expectation? It's both. You know why the Israelites were faced with this is because you, you, you had Solomon's temple, which was just glorious. And, and you, you had Solomon's temple, check this out now, con- completed in 957 BC. You had, a, you had generations of Israelites worshiping at this incredible temple. I'm talking elaborate, okay? I mean, I am talking beautiful. And, and it wasn't until 586 BC that the Babylonians destroyed that temple. But, but, but Cyrus sends... Zerubbabel and all these exiles back to rebuild it in 516. So you've got 586 to 516, which means you have this older generation in Israel that was still alive for the second temple. They worshiped at Solomon's temple. They saw it. And now they're looking at the foundation of the second one. And there's all these people there crying out with praise and exuberance. And then you've got these people who are like, they cannot get over how different it is. And they're weeping. They're like, this is nothing like we had before. Listen, let me, let me show you an artist's rendering of what Solomon's temple was like, all right? I brought a, just, a, just a, a rendering of, of something like what Solomon's temple was like. All right, let me show this to you and you'll see here. I mean, it was like, I mean, I'm talking elaborate. The outside doesn't even do it justice. You have the altar there. You've got, I mean, you've just got, I mean, marble and gold. And I mean, it's just like, it's elaborate, okay? And then let me show you kind of what the second temple was like, all right? What, what, wah, wah, wah. Listen, for those of you who've been around Bell Shoals a while, the first temple, okay, is kind of like, Pastor Jason's office over here in the worship center building. The second temple is kind of like the annex, all right? Does that help? All right. That's why we're doing the Bold Moves Initiative, all right? We're moving towards Solomon's temple, all right? There's a huge difference. You have a generation of Israelites who come through the exile. They go back to Jerusalem and they see the foundation of that second temple. And they're like, oh my goodness, this is nothing like what we had before. And they're weeping. And they're mourning and they're lamenting what was lost. While at the very same time, there's a younger generation that didn't know anything different. And they're celebrating and rejoicing. And you've got a mingling of mourning and celebrating. (laughs) So much so that, that, listen, even the Lord acknowledges it. The Lord, by the way, does not rebuke this older generation. The Lord is actually very compassionate toward them. Let me, let me show you what the, what the Lord says here. He, then October 17th of the same year, the Lord sent another message to the prophet Haggai. Say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the remnant of God's people there in the land. Check out what God says here. Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? And how in comparison does it look to you now? 
it must seem like nothing at all. But then God says this, you ready for this? Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all of you people still left in the land, and get to work, for I am with you. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. Nothing has changed with regard to my promises, my faithfulness, my power. And so do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, I am with you. And so let me say it one more time, different, different is not devastating if God is pleased with your efforts. You say, but my life's never gonna be the same. My career is not gonna be the same. My business is never gonna be the same. Church may never be the same. Ministry may never be the same. We got two choices. We can sit and lament and weep and cry, or we can do what the Lord has told us to do, which is to get up, get busy, and don't be afraid because he is with us. That's what we gotta do. That's what we gotta do. Different is not devastating if the Lord is with us. You know what God said to Israel? You know what he said to that older generation, just as he said to that younger generation? You know what he said? Get up into the hills, bring down the timber, the marble, no. The gold, no. The timber, and use what you have and build my house. And what did he say? I will be pleased with it and I'll be honored by it. And let me tell you something, Bell Shoals. no matter what is different in the days to come, if the Lord is pleased with our efforts and he's honored by our efforts, that's good enough for us. That's what it's all about. And so how do, we, how do we get there? How, how do we navigate the future in such a way that we honor King Jesus and we continue to make much of him, leaning into his spirit, his presence, and his power? First of all, l- let me just be clear here, okay? We have, to, we have to recognize the past is in the past and we have to leave it there. The past is in the past. The past is always in the past, <laughs> Listen, we're we're, we're still figuring out what ministry is going to look like in the future. We're still figuring out what missions is going to look like in the future. Many of you are figuring out what your business is going to look like in the future. We're figuring out what education is going to be like in the future. The past is in the past. We're not going back. We got to leave it there. That's okay. The past is in the past. We're We're not going to be a people that sit around and lament what was. The past is in the past. It reminds me of something that the great apostle Paul said in Philippians 3. Check this out. He says, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved, you know, like resurrection yet, perfection yet. But he says, I I know this. I've focused on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. The past is in the past. We have to leave it there. We're not going back. Secondly, Hear me now. The present time is our time. The present time is our time. The present time is your time. 
Did it catch the God of the universe off guard that there's a global pandemic and political unrest and societal craziness? Was the Lord wringing his hands a year ago shocked by any of this? No. No. In God's providence, he has placed every single one of us here in this time, in this season, in this place. This is our time. Did God give me a questionnaire when he called me to ministry 30 years ago that said, okay, Corey, I'm gonna give you a couple options here, you choose. You can have a ministry of ease and bliss. A, B, you can have a ministry that has a few uh, difficulties sprinkled in, but is relatively, B, C, you can have a global pandemic. Oh, I'll take C. No, I didn't get, did you get that questionnaire in your career, in your family? I didn't get that. But I tell you what confidence I have today. My God was not caught off guard by any of this. My God is on his throne. He's ruling and reigning over all things. And he, he, he says to the apostle Paul in Acts that he has ordained the times and the seasons in which we live. This is our time. This is our pandemic. This is our opportunity to show that the cure for racism is the gospel of Jesus Christ. To show that the men and women who serve our armed forces and that serve our communities through our police and our sheriff's deputies are mostly incredibly honest and well-intended and incredible men and women who protect us and do a great service for us. This is our time to speak for the unborn who cannot speak for themselves. This is our time. This is our time to to, to demonstrate the beauty of God's design through manhood and womanhood and the fact that the greatest fulfillment we could ever have through human relationships is to have that bond between one man and one woman for life. This is our time. This is our time. We're not going back to June Cleaver. You ever watch an old rerun of a show and like, oh my goodness, they could never say that now. I watch old reruns of stuff. I'm like, they would have been arrested for saying that if they said that right now. We're not going back to that. We're not going back to the days when Elvis Presley seemed like, oh my goodness, he shapes his shakes his hips when he dances. Well, so does Pastor Jason. But I mean, we don't, we don't, we don't think anything about that now, right? <laughs> We're not going back. This is our time. <laughs> this is our time. This is your time. Some of you are leading your businesses through what it's gonna look like to 
have more of your employees work from home. Some of you are navigating in our educational system, what it looks like to combine online education delivery with in-person. Some of you are navigating difficult parents. You got the same emails I got, maybe from the same crazy people. <laughs> and hey, I don't, I mean, this is our time. And we're gonna do the very best we can to bring honor and glory to King Jesus, to serve him faithfully, to stand on his word, to get his gospel to the nations. And we're gonna rest in this promise that he is with us. He is with us. Good. It's gonna be a little different, but if God's pleased with it, he's glorified in it, different is not devastating. Let me tell you something. Over 20, just in the last few weeks, been brought to new life in Christ, baptized today. Pandemic didn't stop that. We got missionaries we support. We're supporting them in incredible ways. We've done some financial things for our missionaries through this pandemic, provided some things that, that they were lacking because of these unique circumstances. Guess what? The Great Commission doesn't stop because of this. You're gonna see on Easter weekend, next weekend, you're gonna see Bell Shoals through every campus, three here at Brandon. Guess what? You're gonna see uh, a high level community impact related to our teachers and our school administrators for what they've been through. I'm telling you, thousands of people will be talking about the generosity and the goodwill of not just Bell Shoals, but of King Jesus through what we're gonna do next weekend. Let me tell you something, the Great Commission doesn't stop. The salvation of Jesus doesn't stop. The mission of the church doesn't stop. We're gonna continue to do all that we can do because this is our time. And that's the way it's gonna be, it's our time. And so let me give you the last thing here. Listen, so, he, so here's the thing. So then our future, this is our hope then, as we're, we're leaving the past in the past, we're gonna, we're gonna maximize the present. This is our time. And, and we have this hope that the future is secured by Jesus. Secured. I don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. Because the greatest enemy that every single one of us has, listen to me very, very carefully. The greatest enemy that every single one of us has today is not COVID or political unrest. The greatest enemy we have is sin. Our own waywardness, disobedience against God, our own sin that we carry with us that leads to brokenness and devastation. And here's the good news. The only way out of that sin is by trusting the salvation of Jesus. Because Jesus lived he died and in human history, verified by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, he rose from the dead. Only Jesus did that. And therefore there is only one name, one person that can bring salvation to our weary souls and that's Jesus. And if you're here today, you're watching us online, you've never asked Jesus to save you, to forgive you, to restore you, to make you right. To, to deliver you from, from an eternal separation from him, from heaven, and to have heaven as your home. Today, all you have to do is to ask him into your heart, into your life to forgive you and he will do it. And when he does that, you know what, he, you know what else he does? He, he gives you the power of his Holy Spirit to live in you. You know what the Holy Spirit's referred to as in, in history? As a deposit I know all of our deposits are like online now. 
They're automatic. Let me, let me tell you what God does when, 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 when you ask him to save you. He just gives you an automatic debit into your life of the power of his Holy Spirit. And that deposit is a guarantee that he is going to bring you home one day. That's a guarantee. It's in you. Listen, here's what Ephesians 1 says. Check it out. The spirit of God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. The spirit, that deposit is the guarantee. And he did this so that we would praise and glorify him. So let's get busy. There is no need for mourning the past when Jesus has secured our future. Let's get busy. He is with us. We don't need to be afraid because God is at work. (laughs) And the fullest demonstration of this is the ministry of Jesus. You think back to 2,000 years ago this week, Jesus riding into Jerusalem, people crying out, Hosanna. They had no idea what it was about to happen. They had no idea that they were about to face something that would rock them to the core. But yet God was in it. And today, the hope that we have for the present and the future is uh, the same hope that every follower of Jesus has had. That he's working ultimately through his death, his resurrection, to bring healing, salvation, freedom, comfort, and hope. And so we celebrate that.